Are you tired of the endless stream of fantasy marketing and vanity metrics? Yeah, so am I. My name is James Patrick, and I'm an internationally published photographer, media specialist, and marketing strategist. I'm also a student of professional development, and like you, I've been left frustrated by all of this influencer-driven generic advice making us think that we are just one course, conference, or manifestation away from the life of our dreams. We need to cut through this crap and move beyond the posturing, beyond the facade, beyond the image to take real action on the real work that will create the real results. This is the Beyond the Image Podcast. What is going on? Good morning, everyone. Hope you're having an awesome kickoff to your day. Super excited that you could join us now for our second weekly live coaching uh, that we are doing uh, for for our audience. And for those who um, may have not been here last week, what we've decided to do is every week we're going to uh, get together in the morning. I'm going to pour myself a delicious cup of coffee. And over the course of uh, this cup of coffee, I am going to answer any of your questions on marketing, on sales, on business development, on product launching, on personal growth and development, whatever questions you have on yourself, on your brand, on your business. Uh, this is the space where we can connect and, and I can share some resources and some insights to help give each of you clarity where there once might have been confusion. Uh, we are... Um, before I get to that, it, at any point during this, if you do have questions, um, whatever platform you're watching, and we are simulcasting this both on YouTube as well as on uh, the Fit Business Guide Facebook group, uh, and you could just type your questions into wherever you're watching this this live stream. So if you're on Facebook, you could put it right into the comment section on Facebook, and if you're watching on YouTube, there's a comment section there. Uh, one note though on that if you are on facebook uh it does not show me on my platform on my streaming platform uh who you are so just say your name at the start of your question if you want to if you want to remain anonymous i suppose that's fine as well uh on youtube i can see uh all the names uh that pop through with comments so at any point during this broadcast you're able to type your questions into the comment box and i will get to them in uh the fastest order uh that i can. Um, and for those who are curious what the YouTube link is, it's youtube.com forward slash at JP photo AZ. And if at any point you want to catch the replay, you can watch the replay on YouTube. The replay uh, audio version will be available on the Beyond the Image podcast, which will come out on Friday. Um, we did have a question that came in uh, right at the end, right as we were going offline in last week's episode. So I'll, I'll, I'll kick off with that one uh, first, uh, but did want to have a uh, mention a couple real quick announcements. Uh, one is we are coming into our final call for submissions for issue five of Ricochet Magazine. So if you're interested in submitting any of your work to the upcoming issue of Ricochet Magazine, uh, this is your chance. We put the uh, Instagram for Ricochet Magazine in the um, uh, in the screen below, instagram.com forward slash ricochet.magazine or just at ricochet.magazine. Uh, on that profile, there's a link where you can access uh, the submission portal for the upcoming issue of Ricochet Magazine. We do encourage you to get those in as soon as possible because we are closing um, uh, submissions on that publication here shortly. Also stay tuned because we're about to open up submissions for volume five of Icon Fit Magazine. Um, that should be released probably, mm, we'll try to get it out this week. Uh, but if not this week, we'll get that out uh, next week. And that's uh, Instagram.com forward slash Icon Fit Magazine for anyone who is interested in that. All right. So the question we got last week Um was asking about the process of self-publishing and and why someone would choose to self-publish a book uh, versus going a traditional publishing route. And we talked a lot last week about publishing and about uh, how to release 
a a book on a platform like Amazon and hit a bestseller list. And uh, over the last few years, we've released a handful of books. Uh, we released uh, Fit Business Guide, which hit a bestseller list. We released Fit Business Online, which hit a bestseller list. And then we also released the Legacy Planner, which did not hit a bestseller list. And I explained uh, some of the reasons that the legacy planner did not hit the bestseller list one, because there's two versions of it. There's a hardbound and a paperback. And also the category that we uh, placed the legacy planner in had way more competition than, than the other categories uh, of the books that we've also, also released uh, and just some lessons learned there. But th the person's question was specifically, how do I go about self-publishing and why self-publishing would be preferential to, let's say, going the route of a traditional publisher. And the good news is, is whether you're going the traditional publishing route or whether you're going a self-publishing route, there's no wrong answer. It's just clarity on what your goals are and what you're hoping to achieve with, with your book launch. Um, to do the traditional publishing route, what you have to do is you have to create basically a proposal, a pitch, a manuscript of what you are trying to create, why you're trying to create it, who's the audience for this book, and you have to ship that out to different publishing houses in hopes to get the idea picked up. Um, the benefits are if you get the idea picked up, you oftentimes could get a advance, meaning that they are starting to pay you to do the work. Um, Flip side to that is it's harder to get, okay? And also they might have some editorial control of what the book has to include, how long the book has to be, um, and just some of the, the specificity of what this book is actually going to entail. Now, the back end of it um, is they might help you with the marketing. They might help you with the promotion. They might help you uh, get the book aggressively in front of the audience who you want it to be in front of. But still a lot of it, they're going to lean on authors who have an audience, authors who are willing to curate an audience, and authors who are willing to do a lot of the marketing uh, themselves. That's more attractive to publishers today. Uh, so you're still required to do a bit of the work. Um, also, traditional, traditional publisher is going to help the book appear in more places versus self-publishing um, bookstores uh, being being one prime example. Um, and then traditional publishing, your book qualifies for uh, bestseller list outside of online ranking. So for example, like the New York Times bestseller list, self-publishing books do not qualify for the New York Times bestseller list. Do not know why they just don't. That might not matter to you. Okay. So looking at the other side of that self-publishing. So what does self-publishing do? Well, it gives you control. You control what you're writing, when you're writing it, when you're choosing to release it, you control all the marketing of it. And for some that might be daunting. And for some that might be like, for me, I like that. I like the marketing aspect of it. I like controlling that narrative. Um, there's no advance, but also I get all the proceeds other books. I get all the profits uh, from what that book sells, uh, you know, outside the cost of of printing. And for a lot of the companies that we we have used when it comes to self-publishing, there's no cost involved, meaning the cost to publish is simply a percentage of what that deliverable was. So, for example, when someone purchases uh, the Legacy Planner, I think we have one price at 15 bucks. I think the, the correct me if I'm wrong, I think the paperback's 15 bucks and the hardcover is 20 or something like that. So there's a cost to print each book individually and we make a few dollars on top of that. So we never have to spend money to order a whole bunch of books and keep them in stock and hope to uh, ship them out or sell them at some point. So that's what's made the self-publishing route a lot more attractive uh, to, to us. Um, reduce costs. You control the marketing. And, and you control the distribution. And you get all the profits outside of the cost of of printing. So, you know, for those reasons, that's why we've, we've really leaned into the the self-publishing route. And there are different platforms that you can, um, that you can use uh, KDP, which stands for Kindle direct publishing. This is the one that Amazon uses. It was formerly known as 
Create Space, uh, but they've rebranded it as KDP. Uh, we've used that one for most of our products. We've also used Lulu, L U L U, um, for a lot of our products. Uh, we use Lulu for the first for the beta run of the legacy planner. We, we've used Lulu, excuse me, uh, for a handful of uh, special programs that we've printed out. Um, for our magazines, we do self-publishing on our magazines. Uh, both Ricochet and Icon Fit magazine uh, are published through a company known as MagCloud, M-A-G-C-L-O-U-D, uh, which is owned by a company called Blurb. We've used Blurb a lot for a lot of our self-published books. And what's nice about these is once again, there is no real upfront cost. You just have to upload your assets. The consumer purchases the assets, the company prints it, ships it to the consumer. So you're not going to make a ton per unit that you're selling. Like I think you know, off books. I mean, you could set your price at whatever you want, but you want to make it attractive to your audience. Uh, you know, I think books, we make a couple dollars, magazines, maybe even less than that, because we want, we don't want to um, reduce the sales we can make just, just to try to sell more units. We actually want to sell as many units as possible. So we make the pricing as attractive as possible for the end user. Um, so that's kind of an overview of the difference between self-publishing and uh, going the traditional publisher route. Um, I, you know, when I think about like my work, I'm, I'm curious to go the traditional publishing route and I might actually approach traditional publishers for this new book idea I have this year. But the reasons I'm going to go this route just to, just to, have full transparency. The reasons I'm going to go this route is the, the concept I'm working on for a book I want to release um, probably by the end of this year uh, requires an audience that I don't have a full, a full reach into yet. I have a partial reach into this, but I feel like having a traditional publisher that's already tied in with this specific audience. So it's a very niche publisher that I'm trying to target would, would connect my idea or my book, program uh to um to that audience better uh the second full honesty is vanity it would be really cool to release a book uh through a traditional publisher and see uh that publisher logo on the spine of that book so okay that's fine just call it what it is it's vanity um but really the main reason i'm exploring this and and to be clear I'm what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be creating the the proposal or the pitch for this book. And I'm going to send it off to there's about half a dozen publishers who are within this 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 niche uh, of what I'm trying to write. I'm going to send it off to them and I'll do a few follow ups. And if we don't have a response by a certain time frame, I'm going to self publish because I think the idea is too good to sit on. And I don't want to wait until someone else creates it. So if we're not making headway with the traditional publishing route on this new idea, we're gonna self-publish it. And then we're gonna be very aggressive in the marketing from that. All right, had a few comments pop in. Uh, Pam Greshock, love the studio behind you. Thank you so much, Pam. We, um, it, honestly not hard to, to construct something like this. We, it, you know, like I mentioned, you know, creating a YouTube show has been a goal of mine for a couple of years. And I realized that it's actually a lot easier than I thought it would be. We just have an external camera right there. Hi. Uh, instead of just the webcam that comes on the computer, just because that looks terrible. Uh, so an external camera that plugs into our computer. So we have a, a much higher quality video presentation. Uh plug a microphone in. I mean, you can use a USB microphone. That's fine. So you get cleaner audio. Uh, I have a light right there to light me. I have a kicker light right there. Get my nice little hair light. I put two colored lights behind me on the wall and the wall paneling behind me. Those are just plastic square panels that just have a nice aesthetic um, uh, shape to them uh, in, in regards to how the, how, how they're, how they're formatted. Um, and that's it. I mean, it could not be could not be more simple. And then for streaming, we're using a platform known as StreamYard, uh, which the reason we chose StreamYard over, let's say, Zoom, because I could do this on Zoom, but Zoom 
would limit my ability to simulcast this because right now we're appearing both in uh, the, our private Facebook group as well as on YouTube. So we're in two locations at once and then I'll export the audio and this will go on the Beyond the Image podcast. Um, Zoom doesn't really give you that capability. You can stream to one location. Uh, and also I love the fact that on StreamYard, I can bring up user comments. I can connect with uh, users across multiple platforms in a much more enriched way, which Zoom does not uh, does not permit. So that's why we ended up using StreamYard for that. Well, hey there. Good to see you, Jen Shaver. Um, you are very welcome. What camera would you recommend for streaming? Um, no wrong answer. Uh, I use a Sony. Uh, it's a Sony, I believe, A6500. You just need a mirrorless camera uh, with video capabilities. Um, the reason I say a mirrorless camera versus an SLR camera, not to get too hyper-specific, SLR cameras, SLR stands for single lens reflex. They're the cameras where you have a mirror. So when you look through the... Uh, the, the viewfinder, you're actually looking into a mirror which shoots out the lens. When you take a photo of that mirror, clicks. You hear that shutter click, right? Um, that's a single lens reflex camera. Most single lens reflex cameras, uh, for whatever reason, turn off after 30 minutes of doing a broadcast. Even though they have video capabilities, they just turn off after 30 minutes of a broadcast. It's some, like someone explained to me, it's like a tax code issue. Like if they allowed their cameras to record for more than 30 minutes at a time, they'd have to classify them as video cameras and thus charge a lot more for them or pay a lot more in taxes. Okay, all that seems like nonsense. Mirrorless cameras, for whatever reason, don't seem to have that problem. So mirrorless cameras uh, allow you to stream uh, fluently like this. So the Sony a 6,500 is what I use any mirrorless camera. I've used uh, a Lumix camera before. That's fine as well. Uh, the Canon, um, mirrorless camera that works fine as well. Uh, or you can just look up. I mean, if you want to uh, save a few dollars, you could literally just look up, uh, uh, high, high def cameras for, for web for you know webcam alternatives like external webcams the idea is is you want something external you want something that's not like below your line of sight you know because my laptop is right here um for, for those watching it's it's below uh the the line of sight of the camera um and it's 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 kind of it's not a very flattering angle to have someone looking up at you uh which is why we've always uh shifted the the camera up here. Uh, in regards to lighting, um, we use very simple lighting. Uh, there, there's three types of lights that I'm using to construct this, and each light is is set up very intentionally. And I know for those listening to the podcast replay, um, this is all going to be uh, woefully uh, frustrating for you. But try to try imagine this. I have a single light lighting me, and it's literally right above me right there. It's a big, soft light, nice, soft light. You can use a soft box. Um, that is a, um, it's, it's kind of a soft box. Uh, it's just shaped in a globe um, uh, or spherical shape, um, but it's just putting soft light on me. So right now I'm just lighting me. So I'm controlling the light on me. So I'm properly exposed. Okay. The second light I've set up is over my right shoulder. And the reason I've set up a light over my right shoulder, and you might see that goldish yellowish light, yellowish light on my um, on the side of my face uh, over here. The reason I've set that up is to separate me from the background. It's just to create a little bit extra of a side highlight between me and what is behind me. Okay, so that's why I've set up that light. Now, the background would just fall to black and that would look okay, but it would make the overall scene a little bit uh, dark in my opinion. So what I did was I intentionally put two lights, which are just colored LED lights. Um, they're like $10 each uh, just on my desk behind me, just to light up the wall behind me, just to give it an accent light, which serves as a way to once again, separate me from the background, but also just add a little more depth to the photo versus it just being me and then falling to complete darkness uh, behind me. You know, we've done lots of interviews with um, individuals for, for the podcast. And 
you know, a setup like this did not cost a lot of money. I mean, the only thing that we spent a lot of money on was the the camera. Outside of that, it was a pretty low investment to get, you know, a $10 light over my shoulder, a couple $10 lights behind me, uh, you know, $50 light above me. But that's what helps create um, just just the the presentation uh, that we had. So really good question, Jen. Um, what other questions do you do? you all have in regards to uh, marketing, in regards to branding, in regards to business development, in regards to uh, pitching the magazines, I uh, can literally drop those right in the right in the chat section, whether you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, and I will have a chance to to get to each one of those. All right, so Jen says she just signed up for StreamYard on Sunday uh, with the goal of using it for a Facebook group live and YouTube live at the same time. Uh, need to figure out how to have a guest on with me. Really good uh, uh, question, Jen. So what you will do is every time you create a broadcast in StreamYard, you will have a broadcast link. Um, so you create the broadcast in advance. Uh, and you schedule it and you say, you know, you're scheduling in advance. I'm going to stream on my Facebook group. I'm going to stream on my YouTube. You could then copy that broadcast link and send that broadcast link only to people you want to be on the broadcast with you. This is not a public link. This is not a link you share out because then everyone's going to be on the broadcast with you. You don't want that. Um, and then the way StreamYard is set up is once that person clicks that link, they are invited into your stream. Now, StreamYard has essentially, think of it like a green room, which at the bottom of my screen, I see anyone who could be a participant with me in this live broadcast. But they don't go live until I manually click their, their, um, their video feed and add them into my feed. And there's a variety of, of different... Um, formats and how I can display, uh, you know, myself, myself with a guest, myself with two guests. Um, I would recommend, you know, we did a literally a 20 minute, uh, like very skinny, skinny dive into uh, StreamYard just using, you know, some YouTube tutorial videos. We found like two that answered every question we could ever have about it. It was, it was way easier than I thought it would be. So I would definitely encourage, um, encourage you to use uh, YouTube as a as a resource for finding out like basically how to connect uh, guests in I'm thinking about doing that as well. For some of these upcoming broadcasts to have like, uh, some some guest uh, in people in with me that I'm either interviewing or um, and let me know what you, what your all's thoughts are on this. Um, you know, because right now, we have this set up just to do live coaching where um, you type in your questions. I answer your questions. What would you think? I'm curious your response on this. What would you think if instead of just doing an open Q&A like this, we did that, but also I selected one person every week to come on with me. So they're on the broadcast as well. Their camera's on, their audio's on. And I basically will coach them live on their brand, on their business in front of everyone else. Um, I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. Put it in the comment section. If, if that is something, would you want to be coached where you're on camera with me uh, asking questions about your brand and your business uh, in addition to the, the kind of roll call of people inputting uh, questions into whatever their, their comment section, uh, whether it's Facebook or YouTube. Um, this is something we're exploring. This is honestly, it's, 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 being being designed and created in real time um so you know i'm open to creating what works for the audience um jen says great thanks you are welcome um this is something i that came up on one of my coaching calls yesterday which is this belief that we have to work out all the kinks and work out all the potentials of what could go wrong or, or how the process is going to be or what our approach is or what the methodology is or what the systemization is going to be before we launch something to market. And 
my warning for my client was that is a really great strategy to never launch something because there's always going to be something that comes up, right? Uh, it's, it's, well, I, you know, I, I just want to practice this one more time, or, you know, I don't have the right camera yet, or, you know, I don't have all the lights that James mentioned on this broadcast. I need to go buy all those. Well, now I don't know how to use all the lights. So now I need to go research how to use all the lights. You know what? I'm not really sure uh, if my microphone is good enough. I just need to get a better microphone and we could do that theoretically forever, right? We can always come up with something to be tweaked and improved. Uh, you know, the truth is, you know, I've been podcasting for about 10 years now. And the first 9.9 of those years, uh, it did not look like this, right? The first nine years, it was audio only. In fact, the first few years, I was using these, these really cheap USB microphones plugged into a, a Macintosh laptop that could not handle uh, the microphone inputs. Um, I tried running two USB microphones in the laptop at the same time. It was creating this crazy ghosting and latency issue. The audio was terrible. Um, I remember we were interviewing like big names like Jamie Eason at the time with the worst audio you can imagine. And also, this was pre-Zoom. So whenever we wanted to interview someone, we had to be in the same room with them. So I remember to interview Jamie. I literally drove out to L.A. because she was appearing at the L.A. Fit Expo just to interview her. For the podcast and then her microphone didn't work so i had to pull her audio from my microphone so she sounded like she was across a room because she was across the room it was awful but we made it work and that's the thing we made it work and then eventually we figured out why these microphones weren't working and how to use XLR microphones and how to use a mixer board and uh, how do you, how to then incorporate video into, it. I mean, it wasn't until last week that we started live streaming these 10 plus years. I've been podcasting. We just started live streaming them in the last uh, six days. So do not let uh, trying to perfect your approach uh, prevent you from launching something to market. All right, Jen has a question. I emailed a health reporter from a local news station for a story on Heart Health Month. Uh, how much time do I wait before contacting her again if I don't hear from her? Uh, quick question for clarity. When is Heart Health Month? Is it January? Heart Health Month. Is it February? When is Heart Health Month? February is Heart Health Month. Okay, I just Googled it. Um, so you have a little bit of time because news, uh, this is bringing up it, actually a really good topic, which is uh, what is the lead time before news is scheduled, created, and produced? Um, with magazines, for example. Magazines, if you're pitching content for Heart Health Month for magazines, you would be way too late to the game. National publications are running three months, four months ahead of uh, of, of whatever month the, the schedule is. Um Podcasting will run a couple weeks out, maybe two months at most uh, for very organized podcasts, uh, newspapers like day to day, like super quick. Um, but TV shows, uh, uh, local news, um, they're constructing, uh, they're, they're, they're programming. Um, some of it is in advance, like there are certain staples that they have that are just set in advance. Like, let's just say they have a regular um, lifestyle segment. Well, that that's just in every, every, every broadcast at, at X time, you know, at 20 after the hour, we do a lifestyle segment at 35 past the hour. We do the traffic segment, 40 past the hour. We do the, the weather segment. Okay. So there's certain segments that are just placed in there. Um, anything else is kind of split into two categories. You have the news category and news categories in, in local news will always be be broadcast over anything else. So if you have something set up and news hits, you've just been bumped. And we've had that where we've been bumped a couple days where it's like we were scheduled to go into the studio on Monday to record a live segment and then it got pushed to Tuesday and then eventually got pushed to Thursday and that's when we went on. Okay. It's because there was just a lot of news that happened which kept bumping the soft features or the the lifestyle features. It, in, in in journalism we call it soft news, which is it's not and it, it's not real hard news. I don't know why we call it hard versus soft news. It's not real news. It's more just lifestyle 
content. Um, so that will always take a backseat to hard news in, in TV broadcast. That being said, there's always going to be opportunities for content like that. Now, because uh, you are three weeks out from Heart Health Month, it's kind of about two weeks away from local news producers or local journalists really giving this a lot of thought. So what I would do if I were pitching something for Heart Health Month, you pitched it already, so you're a couple of weeks out from February. I'd follow up again in about a week and a half. Um, like So now you're just maybe about two weeks out from February. Be like, hey, February's two weeks around. This is, this is important. Here's my idea. Here's why I think this idea is important for your audience. Um, and then... You can follow up again maybe a couple of days out before February. And then once February hits, then you can then you can hit them up a couple more times, maybe weekly. Um, because they could run this story anytime in February. And you just want to stay on their radar that, oh, th it is heart health month. Um, let's let's get on your radar because this is something that uh, your your viewers should know about and here's here's what I can deliver to to your viewers um definitely lead with what you can do value wise like here here's how this content or here's how this idea benefits your audience or benefits your viewers um when you lead with that that right there is what is going to uh stand out to a news producer um also with, with TV news, don't necessarily be shy about trying to figure out uh, maybe different ways in to, to reach that health reporter. So you emailed the health reporter. Maybe they saw it. Maybe they didn't. Um, I would consider calling the news desk and asking to be transferred to her uh, or him um, and leaving a voice message for them. Um, it's it's just like that one extra step that that you could take uh, to get in front of them. You know, we we kind of consider pitching to be exclusively email based, but there's a lot of ways that we can really get in touch with journalists and reporters and editors. Um, I found that email, yeah, it's it's kind of the default mode. Um, phone calls work exceedingly well. Um, and then occasionally showing up in person with notice, like I let people know if I'm coming, um, works the best. Uh, you know, like every every few years I'll go out to New York and all I do is I meet with magazines. I, I'll go off for a week and I just schedule meeting after meeting after meeting and I'll sit down with whatever magazine that I, that I have my my heart set on to collaborate with and work with. And, and there's something about that face-to-face -face connection that you just can't replicate over, over email or it just takes longer, uh, to do through email. So, um, yeah, that's what I'd recommend, uh, Jen is, um, you know, give it about a week and a half or so then start to follow up. And then as you get closer to February, you can increase the, the frequency. And once you're in February, then you can be pitching every week. That's fine. Um, because it is time sensitive, but it's, it's so far in advance that, they might not be thinking about it just yet uh, for, for a feature. Unless it's something where the time that they'll think about something uh, this far in advance is if this is a bigger piece that may require multiple segments. Um, that's when they might invest a little bit more lead time into fleshing the story. Like if they have to interview multiple sources, um, if they have to go on site to film something versus you going into studio to film uh, with them. So called a remote, like they have to go out to you. That's called a remote versus you going into them. Um, that might require a little bit more lead time, but something like this, it's, it's very time sensitive to February. So that is what I'd recommend for that. That's a really good question. Um, you know, for a lot of the content we put out, um, it's not very time sensitive, but what we try to do um, is we try to stay on top of, particularly with magazines, we try to stay on top of what their editorial calendar is laying out. So for example, I work a lot with um, PFP magazine, Personal Fitness Professional Magazine. So I 
know what every theme of every issue is going to be about in advance. So for example, I know the next issue uh, is going to be about uh, marketing and visibility. So I can tailor my pitches to match what their what their editorial calendar is going to be. Um, and finding editorial calendars are fairly easy. Um, they're usually just on the website, like on, in their media kit, like here's our editorial calendar for the entire 2023 and here's what every issue is going to be themed with uh so that's for print media uh but just just a tip right there um uh jen says appreciate all you've shared today so helpful i learned so much in a short amount of time this morning well thanks so much for tuning in jen that's really amazing of you Lori young what's up Lori? all right i will be offering personal training as well as group training out of a gym in scottsdale um how do you pronounce that? The gym BL, the number eight TN, blatant, like blatant. I'm curious how one pronounces that. Anyway, uh, I'm super excited uh, to be able to help people with their fitness goals. Uh, do you have any idea on how to announce it or set up pricing? Okay, this is a really, really big question. All right. Oh, oh, <laughs> wow. I was way off. I was way off. I feel like Jim Carrey in Dumb and Dumber when he sees the briefcase and it says Samsonite. <laughs> Samsonite. I was way off. Uh, I pronounce it as blatant. <laughs> it's better late than never. Better late. Better late than never. Okay. Better late than never. That's... I like blatant. I'm just gonna, we're just gonna call it blatant. All right. Anyway, um, how to announce this and how to set up pricing. Okay. So these are two very different things. So let me tackle them. Uh, first off, in pricing, uh, pricing, it's a much bigger question. I would look at um, <laughs> someone on Facebook says, I read it the same way. Well, thank you. Uh, so at Blatant Gym, um, with pricing, the first thing I would look at is what you want to be making um, on an hourly basis, what what your hourly income needs to be. So I would take uh, your uh, the amount you want to make in a year, whatever that number is, let's say 75,000. Then I would look at how many weeks out of the year you're willing to work or easier way to answer this question is how many weeks of vacation do you want in a year where you're not working at all? Uh, so if you want four weeks of vacation, that leaves you 48 working weeks left in the year. I would look at how many days you want to work in a year. Maybe it's five. You want to work Monday through Friday. I would look at how many hours per day you're willing to work, understanding that there are two types of hours of work. There are overhead hours and there are billable hours. So for example, you're a personal trainer in a gym. When you're working with a client, those are billable hours. You are being paid for your time. However, you have overhead hours. You have hours that you got to do marketing. You have hours you're learning. You have hours you're cleaning up after a client. You have hours you're emailing with the client. You're all the things we do. Like, like I spent an hour this morning packing up my gear for a photo shoot. Well, I'm being paid for the photo shoot. I'm not being paid to pack up my gear to go to the photo shoot. Okay, so billable hours and overhead hours. So you understand that you have to achieve a minimum when you, when you do this calculation. So you, you multiply together the, the, the number of hours you're willing to work in a day. So let's say eight hours a day, eight times the five days a week times the 48 weeks in a year. You take that number and you divide it through the amount of money you want to make in a given year. And that would give you the average hourly income you need to be making. But because it's an average hourly income, I'll just make something up and say $40. And it says you need to be making $40 per hour. It needs to be an average. So if you train someone and you made $40, let's say you charge 40 bucks an hour to train someone. Well, you earned your average hourly minimum, but you did not gain any time. That's important. That means when you go to do your admin work, you're actually losing money. So let's just say, just use round numbers. Let's just say you charge 80 bucks an hour to train someone. Now, for every hour that you train someone, you earn an hour of overhead time. You earned an hour to do your emails, an hour to do your social media, whatever it is. Okay. Now, this is not a practice that helps you define a specific number for for your 
for your services, but it definitely highlights what your number should not be below. Because if, for example, you're charging, let's just say 25 an hour and your minimum is 40, not only are you not hitting your average hourly minimum, but you're not earning any time. In fact, you're losing time to do your overhead work. Okay. So this helps shine light on where you should be to start. From there, I would look at if you're training at a gym or a location, I would look at what others are charging in that gym or in that location. And are there any differences in the services you will offer compared to what others are offering? Because if you cannot differentiate the services or the outcome that you can provide, it's going to be hard to justify there being a differentiation in cost. Now, I'm not saying copy people's costs. Do not copy people's costs. But at least gives you some context of what others in that same industry, in that same environment with the same target clientele are doing. Now, that being said, if you're offering something different, if you're offering something that no one else offers, if you're providing results that no one else is providing or a specific approach or methodology that is unique to you and no one else is doing, well, that definitely commands a different price point or a premium offering. Okay. So this is just to give you some ideas on where your price points should be and what you want to be making per hour. And then also we look at the time we spend individually. So the time I spend working, let's say I work one-on-one -on -one with a client. Um, that is the most valuable time I have one-on-one -on -one access to me uh, versus let's say group access. But having group programs or group access is a tremendous way to increase your revenue without increasing the amount of time that you're spending. So, for example, let's just say for one-on-ones, you charge 50 an hour. But for group coaching, you charge 20 an hour. But if you get three people in, you're now making $60 per hour. You're making 10 bucks more per hour with not doing any more time. You've not spent a single hour more and you're making more money. So it behooves you to have a attractive group program that a lot of people can get in because you're maximizing your hourly output. All right. So that's the advice I would give you in regards to the into the pricing. The other question was uh, how to announce it. And I assume just not announce, but how to announce and then uh, build a build a, a, a runway into it. Um, so I would announce before you're taking on clients um, just to kind of build a hype. Because here's what here's what I would not want. If you have never trained anyone before and, and if you've never worked at the studio before and if people don't really connect you to training services, it might be a little bit of a shock when all of a sudden you're announcing, oh, by the way, I'm doing this thing. And they weren't prepared for it. They weren't ready for it. Um, for example, if I were to announce on this podcast that, by the way, I'm selling accounting services, so you can hire me to do your bookkeeping. It's not going to go well because no one knows me as a bookkeeper. No one knows I offer bookkeeping services or I have any background bookkeeping, even though I'm extraordinary at math. I'm actually really good at math. It's just not something people really connect with me with. This is why uh, when we launched a new vertical, this was about five or six years ago, uh, targeting creative professionals, it didn't work. I wasn't known as a uh, as someone who works with creative professionals, uh, works with other photographers and graphic designers and illustrators, et cetera. So this whole workshop platform we built didn't work after a few months, and we ended up pivoting and shifting it into something else. Um, and I've spent time over the last few years building this new awareness with the creative community, serving as a resource to the creative community, teaching the creative community, being valuable to the creative community. So now if I were to launch that same vertical, it would do much better. Okay. So not saying you have to wait years to this, but you could be talking about this weeks in advance, letting people know why you're getting into personal training, what you're looking to achieve with personal training, um, why you're excited about personal training, what your ethos is, what your approach is going to be, what your methodology is. You're basically cueing in the audience to what you're going to be doing long before um, you start to do it. So now we're conditioned. Now we know that this is part of your, your identity. And, you know, I, I work with Lori, so I know that a lot of what Lori does online is more talking about style and modeling and fashion and, and um, 
giving advice for how we present ourselves aesthetically. So to, to then pivot real hard and be like, I'm going to train you and do personal training, that might be a big jump. But if she starts teasing this stuff in now, when she announces services, it's going to be a lot less of a step. I'm going, oh yeah, yeah. She's been talking about this a lot lately. Uh, I would also recommend doing uh, what I call a pilot launch. A pilot launch, and I talk about this in my book, Fit Business Online, uh, which you can go to fitbusinessonline.com to get a, uh, a PDF of the book, um, or it is available on Amazon as well. Um, but Fit Business Online, we have the, the book as well as a 10-part masterclass, a video class that you can get access to where I actually teach every module on the book. But in one of the modules, we talk about a, a pilot launch. And the idea of a pilot launch is you put out a promotion of this before you are publicly selling it. So what you do is you do some posts on your social media and say, hey, I'm looking to gather together a group of, and you fill in your target demographic, a group of women over 30 um, in the Valley who are looking to train with me um, once a week or twice a week uh, in a community setting uh, with the goal of entering the goal. Now the goal is important. You, here's the thing. No one is buying training. No one is buying coaching. No one's buying whatever it is you're selling. We're not buying it. What we're buying are the results that you're selling. We're buying the results. So you have to be clear about what results you're trying to deliver for your clients to achieve this result. Now, the more specificity you can have in the result that you're promoting, the more likely someone is going to feel confident in taking action. It. The less specific you are about the result, the less confidence I have. So results of living a better life or finding our true selves or reaching that next level. You see, you've heard all of that jargon before, especially the next level shit. I don't know what that means specifically. Achieving my best self. What does that mean? I don't know. I just want to lose weight. I just want to put on muscle. That's what I care about. So the more specific you can get in the deliverable or the result or the outcome, the more likely people are to, to uh, uh, graft onto it. So you, you put this message out, say, hey, I'm gathering together a group of women to achieve this outcome. If this sounds like something you'd be interested in, shoot me a message. DM me. You can send that out in an email. Respond back to this email. And anyone that signals back to you, they basically said, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so close to buying already. They don't even know you're selling anything yet. They just know they're close to doing whatever it is because they want that result. And once all these people signal back to you, whether it's half a dozen people or a dozen people or 20 people, whatever it is, even if it's just three people, these are the, these are the original people that you're going to run this program with. So you respond back to them and you're like, thank you so much. Okay. So here's what I'm thinking about doing. I'm thinking about putting together a, uh, a boot camp exercise. I want to do it every Thursday morning at eight o'clock at this gym. Um, you know, eventually I want to charge 50 bucks a person for this, but like, I'm, I'm not going public with this yet. I'm just doing this just to, just to get people in and achieve amazing results and to get your feedback so I can prove this. So I'm willing to let you in for, I don't know, how about 20 bucks a session? So you're giving them a discount. And by the way, I'll give you that, that price for as long as you want to do this. So it will never go up for you. Because you're one of the original members. You're an OG. That right there can get people in right away. Then you get people in. You're making money. Uh, you're able to launch it in revenue already. Before you've ever publicly promoted and started, you know, trying to advertise and, and really get a lot of marketing. You just put out some messages. Say, hey, here's what I'm doing. Who's interested? Or here's what I'm thinking of doing. Who's interested? Message me. Um, 
so that when you do publicly launch this and get more aggressive and and uh, uh, proactive about the outbound marketing messaging, you already have a group of people that have already been through it. So it means you have testimonials, you have case studies, you have social proof, which means your marketing materials are going to be that much more improved uh, with, with that. Lori says, love that. And Jen says... I always think back to the podcast you mentioned, so that, yes, so that, so that the the slight uh, difference in copywriting, you offer something. And when we're often writing copy of what we're offering, we're we're just focused on, well, there's, it's a 12 week course and uh, I do live coaching every week and, um, it includes this PDF download and uh, a link to these other resources. These are all just bullet points. These are these are features. None of them are benefits. They're just features. We don't buy features. All right, great. Well, I don't care if it's every week. What does that mean for me? I don't care. That's ten parts or twelve. What does that mean to me? Um, a benefit is what we buy. So you take a feature. Let's just say. Um, uh, I'm, I'm looking at Ricochet Magazine. Ricochet Magazine publishes, we're going into six times a year. So we, we've increased our publication rate by 50%. Uh, that's that's a feature. No one cares. What's the benefit? The benefit is, is we're giving you uh, 50% more opportunities to get your work published. And the way you turn a feature into a benefit is you take whatever the feature is and you add the words, so that at the end of that. So we're increasing Ricochet from four issues a year to six issues a year so that you have 50% more opportunities to get published. The so that is what we care about as consumers. And what we need to do, and this came up last week, and it it bears repeating. uh, What we need to do is we need to remember how we operate as consumers. And and when I say consumers, I don't just mean purchasers. I mean, what we're consuming with our attention, what we gravitate to on social media, what we consume on different platforms, what we, what we are drawn to when it comes to actually buying something. And we seem to forget a lot of our habits as consumers when we start to work as business owners or someone selling something. And we just want to put it out, we just want people to buy it. But we do not honor how we would want to be nurtured and talked to and and positioned with as consumers. And if we can just take how we want to be approached as a consumer and place that into how we are selling as business owners, as entrepreneurs, that's going to alleviate so much of our stress or confusion or, or, or problems when it comes to trying to launch a product or service or trying to increase our sales. Sell to people like you would want to be sold to. Market to people like you would want to be marketed to. And when you can achieve that, you're going to make sales and you're going to market things. Lori says, thank you so much, James. Your advice is always sound and valuable. I appreciate you. Well, I appreciate you too, Lori. All right, I have another question from Facebook. How far out do you plan your marketing campaigns? Three months, six months, a year? Really great question. And it is entirely case dependent on what we're launching. So there are certain things that are year-long marketing plans and there are certain things that I do sprints with. Um, So for example, um, and this is not to shamelessly plug, but I am going to shamelessly plug. And here's why it's not that shameless because you can download a free copy of my legacy planner at jamespatrick.com forward slash legacy. When we go out to do something, if I were to say, um, I want to launch a conference. Launching a conference is a very big daunting uh, and, and stressful idea when you start to get down to it. And you say, well, I want to do a conference this summer. Well, the closer you get to summer, the bigger this idea of launching a conference seems to be. So we break it down. Okay, I want to launch a conference. Well, what does that mean? And then I break down all the things that I think launching a conference could include or might include or we might have to do. Okay, then I can put an order of prioritization to each of these things. Once I have an order of prioritization, then I can schedule things out. So for example, 
we our Fitposium conference we ran for eight years. We're rebranding it as Get Published Live. We're kicking off Get Published Live May 18th through 24th. So starting February, early February, we're kicking off our marketing. So it gives me February, March, and April, and half of May. So it gives me, what, three and a half months to market this conference. And what I've done with this is... I've listed out everything I could think of to get this conference up and running. And I've just put it in, in a estimated order of priority. Well, I need to do these things in January. I need to do these things in February, these things in March and these things in April, et cetera. So when I'm in January, which I am now, I'm not worried about what I got to do in February. That does not benefit me. I, I need to worry about the stuff in January. And that's what I help do with the legacy planners. Take big concepts, whether it's an annual marketing plan, like I have an annual marketing plan for every one of my brands. And I take those annual plans and I break them into quarterly plans. From the quarterly plans, I put them into monthly actions. And from monthly actions, I put them into weekly sprints. And I, and I use the word sprint when it comes to weeks. I was thinking about this this morning of why, why I'm using that word. The reason I use the word sprint is we we can't work 24-7. And we can't keep the same energy seven days a week. It's just not sustainable. But I can push aggressively for – everyone's different. But for me, five days is about what I can do. And it used to be six when I was younger. Right? It's five now. I get five days where I can work fast, I can work aggressively, and I can work with clarity and focus. But if I try to push into six days now, my sixth day, I'm just going to be kind of scrolling on Instagram most of the day. I'm not going to get much done. Because I'll just be tired. I just I need those two days of of kind of rest. I spend time with my family. So I use the weekend to kind of just recharge, um, which allows me to sprint Monday through Friday. So when I look at my week ahead, and I'm charting out all the things I need to get done in that week. Where does that come from? Well, it comes from my monthly plan. Where does that come from? It comes from my quarterly plan. Where does that come? It comes from my annual plan. So this week, I know what I need to focus on. And there are three big things I'm working on this week. And about half a dozen not so big things. Now, we're at Wednesday morning. I've gotten one of those big things done. And I've gotten half of those other things done as well. So I'm about halfway through the work I need to do. But the next two and a half days are going to be really focused so I can get those other two and a half things done in, in my, uh, excuse me, in my top priority actions as well as uh, the other things done in my secondary priority actions. Um, so really, it just depends. When it comes to PR and marketing, those that those are year-long campaigns. I set goals for the year. In fact, I was just meeting with uh, my assistant this week talking about my goals for outbound marketing, my goals for, for marketing to media outlets, my goals for marketing the podcast. Um, and we set KPLs or KPI, excuse me, key performance indicators. And I track those throughout the year. So like I have on my board over here, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, let's just say 20. 20 KPIs that I track throughout the year, key performance indicators. And it's my way of assessing how my work is doing. So like uh, how many magazine covers have I shot in the year? How many coaching clients do I have? How many passes have I sold to my conference? How many downloads has my podcast received? How many speaking gigs have I landed? Uh, what's the traffic to our digital network? Um, how many reviews do we have on our studio? What's my income year today? What's my expense year today? So I can just write it up on my board and at any moment I can look up and have a clear snapshot of where I'm at in my KPIs versus what I set the goal at. And I do set goals for each of these things because without a goal, we're not going to hit it. Simple as that. Um, so really great question. And the answer is just, it just depends. Um, I set annual marketing plans for the companies, and then I break those annual marketing plans into smaller, uh, more, more achievable sprints. And I, I like taking big annual goals and breaking them into quarters. I think 12 weeks is a very focused amount of time because that's three months, uh, 
12 weeks, three months, and, and you can really start to get granular with the work you need to do day to day. And if you want examples of that, definitely go check out the, the free PDF I have of the Legacy Planner. You can buy the, the hard copy as well, but I do offer the free version at jamespatrick.com forward slash legacy. All right. My coffee is done. I've had my coffee. This was a fun conversation. I want to thank everyone for jumping on. You can catch the replay of this. Um, audio on the beyond the image podcast the video is up on our youtube which is uh at jp photo az also wanted to mention that as i said at the top of the show we're coming into our final call for entries for ricochet magazine best way to get the link to apply to ricochet magazine so go to instagram at ricochet.magazine and as always if you have any questions that i didn't have a chance to get to on the show text me 480605 3254. Happy to answer uh, any questions that you may have. Want to thank you, all of you for jumping on. Uh, I, I really like this time. I really like this Wednesday morning time slot. Uh, if this works for you, let me know. If there's another time slot that you think might be better for you, uh, let me know that as well. But I think this kind of midweek strategy session is, is a great way to kind of, we're halfway through the week. Let's let's refocus. That way we can absolutely crush the second half of the week. Um, so let me know your thoughts on that. Message me anytime. I want to thank you all so much for tuning in and we will talk to you soon. Take care, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to the Beyond the Image podcast. Please follow, like, and review wherever you happen to listen to the show. And if you want to connect to me, you can find me at jamespatrick.com, Instagram at jpatrickphoto, or you can text me any of your marketing questions to 480-605-3254. Thanks again.